Good morning, good afternoon, or good night. I'm your host, Adrian Conway, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Rise and Pod. Uh, today, we're, we're diving into some strength and conditioning talk, so I hope that uh, all my strength conditioning nerds are out there um, and, and eager for a discussion just about some of my personal approach and structure to group fitness training. Um, and, and I say that specifically because, of course, I am a CrossFit uh, level three coach. I've been coaching CrossFit level one seminars and had a hand in some level two seminars uh, throughout the years. I, I love CrossFit as a methodology. Um, and I also uniquely understand the desire um, out there in the general public to get fit and what that actually looks like. Um, you know, full transparency for me is that, of course, I, I own and run a company called True Fitness. Train to Rise Up is what True stands for. So it's TTRU. And um, throughout the years, I've, I've had a lot of experience in working with individuals, working with groups, working with teams, um, working with people who want to perform at an extremely high level, but also people who simply want to look better naked. Um, and, and, and often within the walls of a CrossFit gym or a functional fitness training gym, the desire uh, for what people have uh, as their ending outcome, it, it's, it's greatly diverse. So that's, that's the place that I'm coming from when it comes to my description of the optimal template or the optimal approach to really being able to program for a community but at large, a very diverse group of people. So um, bear with me here as I kind of lay the foundation. I want to first and foremost help everybody understand that I am very much a meat and potatoes type of coach. Um, I, I do enjoy utilizing constantly varied functional movements executed to high intensity. And it's certainly where I get the origin and flavor of much of my design from CrossFit. But also, I want to say that I have a general approach that also... Um, puts into practice more steady state cardio. So I'm a big zone two fan. And the reason is because of the physiological benefits that I've personally seen, um, those that I've seen from elite athletes, the way it is utilized in traditional physique formation and bodybuilding as a sport, and also the fruits for laying the foundation of aerobic capacity for the everyday and uh, every, everyday man and woman. Um, I think it's drastically overlooked when all we do is train in high intensities. And so that should already give you a sense of the flavor uh, that I will lay out. Now, I, I want to also say that I'm still a fan of variance, and I love it to a degree. I believe that there are particular areas where um, linear progressions and periodization are of high and utmost importance. And it doesn't have to be uh, a boring five by five all the time approach. And it doesn't have to be that we squat on every Monday approach and bench on every Wednesday approach. But it must be some form of consistency. So the body starts to adapt to a particular stimulus within a particular set of days and or time frame. And the goal is for us to consistently um, be executing that with, of course, proper windows for recovery of those highly intense strength training days. I also want to lead in with the fact that I'm an and then guy for the most part. And what does that mean, folks? That means that while I will sometimes, when, when I'm teaching someone how to program true CrossFit, three-on-one off, uh, constantly varied functional movements executed at high intensity, 
We're doing so in a time frame of 60 minutes a day, and we're doing so in a way to help them elicit, um, you know, re responses appropriate for general physical preparedness. Well, when people walk into my gym or my affiliate or they come to, to get my training, yes, they want general physical preparedness, no doubt. And I can program movements and, and um, also work intervals, um, short, medium, and long, that can elicit a response to help them feel very much prepared for GPP stuff. How fast can we get them fit is a question that I often get from people. I believe that CrossFit has tremendous value when it comes to long-term approach. I also believe that the general public want a response that elicits a faster approach. Now, I'm not saying your nuance and unique circumstances. I'm saying the general public, the majority of people who walk in a CrossFit gym, the majority of people who, in, in, my, in my case, um, in my years of experience, are former athletes of some degree. Um, yes, we do get people who walk in who have never played a sport, but that is certainly not the majority of people that walk into our gym. Um, they they want to look good with their clothes off. They want to feel sore. They want to sweat and they want to suffer. Now, I know that when I program traditional CrossFit and do it well, very well balanced, they actually don't get those things every day because we have a, a, an obligation to refine skills, to um, have structured strength only training days. And of course, to remind uh, our athletes that not all of our training sessions and or workouts are going to be done with complementary movements. In fact, sometimes they're going to be done in the form of um, redundancy, uh, which means that you might press, press and press in a workout a lot like a hero workout JT, which of course we, we give example to uh, very often um, in different scenarios, uh, particularly at the level one, when we're talking about programming. It's a great way to train. I train my competitive athletes that way all the time, particularly when local muscle endurance is their limitation in a lot of the performance. Or, or maybe they have a particular weakness with a particular muscle group. And boy, can that elicit a very unique hypertrophy response in regards to size and strength when you do a lot of local muscle endurance training at loads and appropriate loads and at appropriate work and rest intervals. But that's a whole different topic and a much more diving deeper topic for than what I wanted to jump into today. But it's important for me to lay this scope of foundation so that you can hear my words and hear my overall perception and or opinion on programming at large. I believe that when we're programming in a gym, again, for a diverse community, for people whom um, have very diverse goals, if they're not willing to, to invest in themselves and hire me one-to-one, -one, or they're not willing to invest in one of my staff members and hire them one-to-one, -one, where we can then give them that very specified nuance stimulus that they desire and what they need, um, then we've got to do a great job at landing in the middle. So if you follow me on social media at Adrian Conway underscore on Instagram, which I'm sure if any of you are watching this video or listening to the podcast, there's a really strong chance that you already follow me there on socials. I'm going to pull up one of the posts that I made as a general template that I, that I would put as frameworks for someone that's walking in the doors of an affiliate or a gym and how I would suggest that they could try to follow a program and get all the good stuff. By all the good stuff, I mean they're going to get a strength adaptation. They're going to get an intensity adaptation through moderate to short windows. And then they're still going to get um, an increased production of mitochondria. They're going to get more red blood cell production. Um, they're going to get a reduced 
overall heart rate. They're going to burn um, body fat at steady rates. And, and they're going to have, quote unquote, easy workouts mixed in with their hard workouts every week that they go into the gym. Now, I'm also not saying that this template that I'm about to pull up, folks, is actually very realistic for a lot of gyms. Large gyms, it's certainly realistic for. If you got space for ergs and people to be doing erg work and still have a class going on, even if it's loud for the people in the erg work, oh, I, w- I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you. If I owned a facility right now, what I would do is I would have like 10 C2 bikes, 10 Echo bikes, and uh, 10 rowers and skiers. Now, that's 40 ergs. That's a lot. That's clearly financially a well-off gym and, and certainly invested there. And you can cut back on the numbers based on your community size. But consider five rowers, five assault bikes. Um, a couple C2s and a couple skiers, right? But enough for the class to utilize the equipment when needed. But also when the class isn't using the equipment for people who don't want to train hard to come into the gym and do steady state zone two work. Because to me, this is the beautiful marriage of what a well-rounded strength conditioning program can offer. Where we do strength training and high intensity CrossFit style Metcons. And, and we do that uh, one to two days in a row. And then we have a third day where we simply do 45 minutes or 30 minutes to 60 minutes of zone two work with mobility and stretching. And I think we could get our members in the, in the door six days a week this way. I think we could avoid injuries this way. I think we can increase the overall fitness and well-being this way. And I think we can expedite the process without creating injury. Um, now, again, this is just me working with athletes for the last 15 or 16 years. Uh, actually, even maybe more at this point. I'm 37 yeah, it's about 18 years in the strength conditioning world. Um, but I'm pulling this up, as you guys can see here. Um, my optimal training fit for CrossFit at clients that who love to train are two days on, high-intensity strength, slash Metcon. And what that might look like for you guys so that you have a, uh, you know, I'll dive into that in just a second. And then, and then the next day after the two days, so Monday, Tuesday on, high-intensity strength and Metcon. And then one day at 45 to 60 minutes of zone two, this is aerobic work and skills or practice. Now the skills or practice need to be watched over very closely. They need to be guided um, by either program design or by a very disciplined individual so that it doesn't turn into a redundant amount of contractions. We can't have this being something where um, the athletes go into the gym and all of a sudden they accumulate uh, stinking, you know, a hundred chest of bar pull-ups or something wild where they're creating muscle soreness. Um, their body's creating lactate and they're being destructive both to their muscle tissue and their joints. We don't want that. That day is literally meant to be regenerative. It should be an easy workout. And by all categories, it should feel easy, even aerobically. So no, that doesn't mean that you can get on an erg and row 5k for time. And no, it doesn't mean that you should ride uh, row 10 by 500 meter repeats at a threshold pace. No, 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 no. Um, zone two, so that you have a firm grasp and understanding, um, is a bit of a moving target, uh, depending on the modality you choose and depending on the way that you track it. Uh, most people are going to have at least the ability to get their max heart rate, which is, you know, you can make a guesstimation historically of 220 minus your age. After you have that figure, you can multiply it by 0.6 or 0.7 and stay in that window of the rate. That would be the prescribed um, intensity for zone two, if you're wearing a wearable right around your chest or your wrist, and we know that around the chest is better with that being said, it's important to also understand that it's more about the feeling and response from your body than it is the data of the numbers. The science is important. I I won't get that wrong, but unless we're literally taking and, and, and pricking your finger for blood and getting, excuse me, a lactate reading, 
um, at different periods of time throughout your activity, we're, we're not really going to be 100% sure we're grasping and, and being accurate with the zone two. But if you can understand that me giving this this programming lecture overview here, um, I, I shouldn't be able to just continue rambling on and talking like I am right now if I plan on being in zone two. But it also shouldn't seem like I shouldn't be able to talk to you at all. I should be able to talk in two to three sentences at a time, maybe a paragraph at a time, and then take some breaths and get back to my activity as I listen to you talk back. So we could carry on a conversation, but I shouldn't feel like I could continue ramble for minutes on minutes. Um, and, and you need to learn it by feel. And that's where tracking and using a wearable at first can help you is because it'll give you some parameters. It'll give you a baseline. And then you can understand like, okay, this is what it feels like for me to be at 145 beats per minute. This is what I feel like at 120 beats per minute. And you can start to understand where you want to live and try not to exceed those. I love to teach my athletes to be to be 100% based on feel with these types of sessions where they don't need a wearable. And that's specifically because so many of my athletes do, do love to compete in the sport of CrossFit and the wearable uh, doesn't prove us much value on the competition floor. I want them to be aware of how to dictate a pace and how to dictate it by recognizing the way their body feels. Um, so again, we want to avoid the burn in our muscle tissue from a general perspective. We want to be able to be relatively conversational and we want to be able to sustain that. It should be a cyclical approach that you take. Think row, ski, bike, um, fan bike, like, like an echo or an assault or a C2 bike. Um, you could run, but you probably need to be a solid runner when it comes to experience and or technique in order to stay in zone two. Otherwise it's going to creep up out of zone two very quickly on you. Um, because of the way that we bound as we run and due to the lack of efficiency that most people have. As you mature your running and you become better and more proficient, you can add it into zone two. Um, and I certainly allow a lot of my athletes after some time to be utilizing that for the zone two training. But there's a caveat to that. How much strength are you trying to gain in your legs and how much does even spending 30 minutes on your legs, even at an easy pace, add up in volume of contractions and affect in the following day's training? So yes, we're talking easy. And yes, I'm saying don't major in the minors here in regards to wearables and technology and just, just follow the guidelines. But also you have to have a big scope and broad understanding of what you're trying to accomplish and how everything affects everything. So after that day of easy work, we're back on for two on again um, of high intensity strength and Metcon. And yes, both in the same day. And then we're going to go back to another zone two session. So what we're looking for is on the top end, about two hours of zone two aerobic work and about four hours throughout the week of high intensity strength training and metabolic conditioning. And then we've, of course, got one full day of rest. Now, when I laid out this template, did I want it to be a one size fits all that this is a Bible type experience in regards to strength conditioning? Absolutely not. Um, I, in fact, all my one to one athletes don't even train this way. All of my CrossFit affiliates that I program for personally, um, as of right now, if you're interested in me working with your affiliate, um, I treat it a lot like uh, coaching a one to one client. I can provide you with uh, class plans and, and assistance. Um, but a lot of what I'll design is based on the, the availability of the equipment that you have. And of course the, the, the flavor of your community. Um, I've been around this, this, this training methodology for a long time in the fitness space for a long time. And I certainly recognize that running an affiliate, owning a successful affiliate and a thriving community is a very fine balance of giving athletes just what they need but also a bit of what they want. And how do you balance those two things? A lot is dictated by the face and the ownership and the person that's coaching the majority of the classes because that becomes the identity of the place. But a lot of it can be urged on by the, by the programming in itself. 
So this is what I like. And, and the reason that I like it, and I'll give you some more specific examples in regards to the flow of the programming here in a moment, is because it allows you to provide variance within the way that you approach strength training or the way that you approach your metabolic conditioning, but we still get the very consistent outline. Our body does start to assume what's coming next in a way, at least in regards to intensity. I like the two days on because to me, um, when someone walks into my gym, um, it's very rare that I see anyone when I'm delivering the appropriate stimulus of contractions and or strength training and or conditioning that can really, really go three days in a row. Now, if you're only really filling a one hour class with about 10 to 15 minutes of really hard work, which is okay, then I think people can recover from that. But that's not really what a lot of the people that come paying for my service have the intention of experiencing. They want an hour where there is 10 to 15 minutes circulated around that with a general warm up and a specified warm up for the strength training. They want to have an understanding of what will be accomplished overall in the class within that time frame, and they want to get to work and they want to do some working sets or they want to touch some lifts or they want to do some skill work, but they want repetitions and they want it to be as challenging as they need it to be in order to feel as though they're accomplishing something. Um, after the fact, after that, the, the, and we spend 20 minutes on that, we're already 35 minutes or 40 minutes into class. And then that's where we get an opportunity with very simplified movements or movements that are also associated with the strength training and or skill work that took place prior. We meld it together for a high intensity metabolic conditioning type of experience. So we reduce the loading compared to what it was for strength training. We get the heart rate up and we're either doing repetitive type efforts, three to 10 rounds of something, or we're doing something in a time to interval type domain where I'm demanding that they work in a sprint type fashion for a minute and perhaps getting two minutes of rest. And then we're playing with, of course, all the movement selections that we can. We're playing with the monostructural pieces we had in. We're playing even with the approach in itself, uh, single modality, um, you know, couplets, triplets, chippers, all of the traditional CrossFit things that we really enjoy to have a presence within what we do. Um, we can elicit that. The thing that needs to be understood, and you got to be sensitive to this, is time within the class. And when you design programs that are like this, where you tend to pack an hour down, you have to be extremely efficient with your time. If you're a wise coach, you've already planned the way that you will attack this. Um, this is another reason that I'm not super pumped on giving class plans um, to the affiliates is because coaches get lazy and utilize it, and they don't really thoroughly think the experience through. And I think it does reduce the... Um, the value that a lot of coaches bring to the athletes is because they didn't think of the warm up. They didn't actually design the, the, the class plan, right? They didn't plan that it, you know, if my class is from three to four, they didn't know that at three forty three that how they got to three forty three, right? They just followed a template that I already created. Now I'm not saying again, that's wrong. Some coaches out there don't want no piece of that. And that's okay. But if you're wanting to take your coaching to the next level, if you're wanting to have a thorough understanding of group management, people management, time management, um, Planning in general and life as a skill, if you ever want to have a platform like the one that I've been fortunate enough to create to um, inspire other coaches, inspire athletes, coach athletes that pursue the CrossFit games, um, many athletes at the semifinal level, everyday athletes that are first responders, firefighters, police officers, right? To have this type of voice, you got to put in the grinder. You got to put in the work. And I don't think that paying for Someone to just give you a class plan helps you put in the work. Now, if there's a workout and you got to design the class plan, you got to design the warm up. You got to think like, wow, okay, this could do this and this could do that, um, and then fail at it a few times, um, and then wipe off your bumps and bruises. I think there's a lot of value to that. 
Um, but nonetheless, I digress. Listen, an example of one of these high intensity strength and Metcon days would be as such. And I don't have anything in front of me here, so I'm just kind of um, flipping this uh, from the hip. But um, let's start with a traditional movement like the squat clean. Okay, so that's going to be our primary focus for the strength adaptation today. Um, and this is going to be high intensity strength training, and then we're going to follow it with a Metcon. But the strength training might be every two minutes for six rounds, which means 12 minutes within the strength training, we are going to start approximately at 65 to 70% of our one rep max. And our job is with every, within every two minute window, you have to cycle three touch and go squat cleans. Okay. Now, because this is 12 minutes of work, you're going to preface this already with eight to 10 minutes of skill work and practice. That means I want to watch my members go through clean pulls, front squats, squat cleans, then touch and go cleans at pretty lightweight. So they're ready to rock 70% when we go three, two, one, go. And then throughout those six minutes, their responsibility, or I'm sorry, those six sets, their responsibility is to make sure that four of them are certainly working sets. And what that looks like for me is that there's six sets programmed. They get to create a groove for themselves. They're going to have some extra weights by their plates. Um, three touch and go reps is only going to take them 10 to 15 seconds, depending on how heavy it gets for them and how long each repetition will take, especially on the latter sets. They're going to have plenty of time to drop the bar, catch their breath and load it up. Their job is the first two sets to create a rhythm and gain some momentum. Focus on form and quality. Get tall before you get small. Make sure we're catching the bar high in our throat with our elbows high. So that way as it gets really heavy in the latter sets, they've performed the way they need to throughout the prep sets. And now this gives them four by three, an opportunity to focus on nothing but the load on the bar. Load it up and go for it. Every time they get onto that bar for their third repetition, they should question, can I stand this up? That is how we're going to push them forward and get strong. Now, after that 12 minutes concludes, we're going to take a moment to let them water up and, and gather around for the explanation of the conditioning. Now, because we've already executed uh, squat cleans within the strength training, we're going to actually add in some front squats within the conditioning because that movement is a piece of the squat clean. And there's a, there's a ton of different ways to, to skin this, right? Like we could have been going from overhead squats in our strength training to squat snatches in our conditioning. And the reason that this is, uh, appropriate is because now we've already refined motor, motor, um, motor movement, right? And we're already uh, connected to the way the bar moves, the way our overhead position feels, right? And in this instance, for the workout that I've suggested that we design, um, we've already now refined our squat clean. So our front squat's certainly prepped and ready to rock. So the workout is as follows for the conditioning portion. We're going to go six front squats at 155 for the men, 105 for the ladies as prescribed. The bar will come from the floor. Then we're going to go nine toes to bar, and then we're going to go 12 box jump overs, six front squats, nine toes to bar, 12 box jump overs. My clients are going to work for three minutes on, then they're going to get a one minute rest and we're going through four rounds of this. That makes it approximately a 15 minute workout. We've got a 15 minute conditioning piece. We've got a 12 minute strength piece. We've got, of course, a 10 minute warm up that's at 37 minutes already and let's say we're also going to take eight minutes between the strength training and the conditioning portion 
Um, that gives us plenty of time to roll around on the ground, to socialize after the test is over, the workout is finished, and to clean up our equipment and get ready for another day. But within that 60-minute window, they've come, they've socialized, they've gotten some strength work in, and they pushed that strength work because I made sure they pushed that strength work. And then, they, of course, we got after it in the Metcons because while it wasn't continual work, we, we, we gave them that touch of recovery within those one minutes, three, again, it was three on one off for four rounds. We gave them that recovery just enough to kind of keep the intensity throughout, not let it drop off too much. Um, and then after that, everyone's going to come and they're going to say, wow, that was a great workout. That was tough. And that was awesome. And it's true. And then the next day, what we might do is our, our strength training was a bit lower body focused, right? Yesterday with the squat clean. Well, tomorrow, maybe we'll, we're going to do a, uh, a, a strict press instead. And, and this strict press today, we're going to lean into some higher volume of contractions and we're going to actually do, um, we're going to go with, uh, let's, let's do every three minutes for five sets. We're going to execute 10 strict press, all of them working sets. Okay. Every three minutes for five sets, it's 15 minutes and we're going to do strict press. Now here's the caveat because I'd like to think about holistic supersets, push and pull balance. Thinking about how in, in, in CrossFit, we typically end up overhead or upside down or pressing with our shoulders in many different instances often, because we like to make a large load travel a long distance quickly. A lot of times that's going to take something over our head. Well, after you finish every round within this three minute window, finish your 10 strict press, which of course has to be unbroken to count. You have to execute also 10 banded pull-aparts. This is with a light band. We're going to do a supinated grip. So let's go palms up. We're going to pack our shoulder blades and then we're going to execute straight arm pull-aparts to really focus on that rotator cuff and bringing the scaps together behind us every, every, every set. So not only are we getting five by 10 on the strict press, but we're also getting uh, five by 10 on the pull-aparts. The rest of the time they can rest and add weight. My, my advice to them would be to start around 60% of their one rep max strict press. And let's see if we can hang on. And if we can even go up, then we go up but you're going to be scored on your the total volume of weight that you move throughout the day. Again, this keeps their focus on the outcome of moving weight and working sets and not just building to a heavy 10. Building to a heavy 10 is good. We'll do that sometimes. We'll build to a heavy one sometimes. We'll build to other heavy things. But if you want to get stronger, if you want your community and your athletes to get stronger, you need to understand that working sets are the way to go. Okay. And then conditioning. We've smoked the upper body. Yesterday, we got after the lower body a little bit. Today's one of those days I like to introduce the erg and involve the erg in some way. Now, we jumped yesterday, right? We did some box jumps. Um, we did some, some front squats. We did some toes to bar in the conditioning. Today, we're going to utilize the assault bike. We're also going to utilize the kettlebell. And we're also going to utilize our upper body still, but we're going to press horizontally now. So we still got a triplet. We're going to open up with 15 or 10 calories on the bike for men and women. We will then advance to 20 kettlebell swings at 53 pounds for the men, 35 pounds for the ladies. And then we will also get to 15 hand release push-ups, no thighs touching the ground to conclude each round. So again, 15 calories on the bike, 20 Kettlebell swings, these are American, they're going all the way over our head, and 15 hand release push ups. This workout will be a 15 minute AMRAP. Again, similar time domain to yesterday, 
Very different stimulus. There's no recovery. There's no built-in rest here. There is an erg. The erg being present also changes the stimulus because now they get to dictate. They can continue to move, but for some, because of their inability to push, they will utilize that as a passive or, or an active recovery instead of being able to push or gain time or get to the next movement quickly. What I really like about this combination is that no matter how bad you feel coming off that erg, the only reason you don't go pick up the kettlebell is because you're scared and you don't want to hurt. And I love those kind of conversations. I love to help guide people through those problems and troubleshoot those things so that they can find personal and sometimes spiritual growth. Um, and then the push-up is going to be very upper body dependent. Now, yes, we already pressed, but that was vertical. And now we're going to incorporate larger musculatures, right? Because now we're involving the pec, the pec minor, uh, the triceps are still going to get behind it. The shoulders are also going to be in involved. Um, and, you know, the push-up is simply a staple gymnastics movement. Now, we had 15 minutes of conditioning, which hardly took time at all to transition from, right? When you think about the, sim the simplicity within the skill sets. And then we've also got our um, 15 minutes of strength work. That was 30 minutes. We had a 10-minute warm-up to prepare for the strength work and, of course, get the body moving and grooving and have some social time. So that put us at at least 40 to 45 minutes in there with transitions and potty break time. And now what we have is about 12 minutes or so to add in some type of midline finisher where perhaps I might add in that the class accumulate uh, two total minutes of an L hang or L sit of some variation. Of course, they can scale it to a tuck position where the knees are pulled in towards the chest, but you can either use parallettes, you can do it from the ground, you can put your hands on plates, you can hang from the rig, you can hang from the rings. You can support yourself in between the rings. You can do what you like, but you got to give me some isometrics before you get up out of here. And then, of course, we have time to cool down and socialize before they get out of here. So that would be example. Two back-to-back -back days. Um, then we're coming off in, into an aerobic conditioning day where we're going to come in. And again, they're going to they're gonna move and groove. Motion is lotion. And they're going to feel better after they finish this 60-minute uh, zone two if they can stay for all 60 minutes or 45 minutes. Um, and again, this, this shouldn't elicit suffering. People can bring, they're going to be welcome to bring their headphones in. I might even have a, a little TV on the wall. And yes, a lot of you gyms, a lot of you functional fitness centers, a lot of you CrossFit gyms got TVs in there anyways. And all, all you support on there is a workout. You can easily screenplay or share play and say like, hey, guys, today, guess what? We're going to go back in time. We're going to learn about the a little bit of culture and history from within the CrossFit space. And we're going to watch one of these all inspiring documentaries while you guys cycle there today. We can also talk about it. I can be here for Q&A, and then I'm going to lead some stretching when it's done. But again, you, can, you guys can figure that out. It can be something where, um, you know, there's other classes going on because, well, Adrian, a question that I have is that not all of my gym members can go on this 2-1-2-1 two, one, two, one schedule, and they're not all there every day. Well, I understand that too. Well, maybe you offer classes that run every single day, but this is the, the template that you suggest your members follow because you've got this little area where they can come in and just do zone two. But we do want them in the gym. We want them in the gym as often as they'll come to the gym because they love it. And we want them to love it because it's our baby. And this is if you're good at it, this is how you pay the bills if you own this gym or you coach at this gym. Um, and with all that being said, we would just create more variants throughout the week in regards to structure of strength training. And then I do want to add in this as, as well before I sign off with you guys is that while most of the training that I would focus around would be strength and then, there would also be times where it would be conditioning and then strength. And there would also be times where it would only be strength. And there would be times where it would only be conditioning. So yes, I am not absent of the old school and the traditional CrossFit methodology of programming. It's simply that I only apply it 
more in the minority than I do the majority. Um, and again, that's because of what I've learned that helps me respond, what I've learned that helps my young athletes respond and my older athletes respond and meeting everyone in the middle to help them get the results that they want because that's actually at the end of the day what they're coming in to pay me for. Um, folks, if you're watching this and, and you're, you got questions about it or you're curious about anything, feel free to comment below. Um, if you're listening to this on the audio, please reach out to me at Adrian Conway underscore on Instagram. You guys can also follow a lot of our programs and or learn more about our programs at TTRU Fitness. Again, it's at True Fitness, TTRU Fitness on Instagram. And then, of course, don't hesitate to go visit our website, TTRUFitness.com, where we've got nine live programs um, that you guys can select from or jump into. Um, and this range is all from 60 minute workouts to 30 minute workouts to competitor training to masters competitors to teens competitors to um, aesthetics to strength and to endurance. Um, and don't forget if you're coming for the pump and you just want to look better with your clothes on and your clothes off, we got true aesthetics as well. Uh, the reason that I've really enjoyed having a diverse, um, backdrop of programs to offer people is because at this point in my life and within my career, if I'm not training for something specific, that's how I like to, that's how I like to roll. Um, I'm a, I'm a very much a, uh, you know, a cherry picker. I, I, don't, I don't avoid things that scare me and I don't avoid training weakness. I actually really enjoy that because I got something sick that's probably wrong with my brain. But um, I, I, I want to do what I want to do. And uh, for me, I, I like all flavors. Um, you know, I like my music the same way I like my exercise and it's constantly varied. Uh, but I do like it a particular way. And I've got, I think I do have a certain flavor. Um, and it certainly might not be for you um, listening to this podcast or even watching this interview. You might be like, yeah, man, I, that guy's not my cup of tea. And that's okay. I don't, I don't want to be if I'm not. Um, but there, I know that there's a large group of people who were very curious about this post and a large group of people who also were um, big fans of, of the way that I approach things, the way that I coach. Um, and not everybody gets an opportunity to be able to afford or invest in their one-to-one -one coaching. Um, so this is sometimes connecting with everybody this way is sometimes the next best thing or offering uh, the template program that I do offer. So again, if you're, if you're an affiliate and you're looking for affiliate programming, and you'd like to ask me more questions about it or what this might look like for your affiliate specifically, we can hop on a call and get that scheduled, but reach out to me, shoot me a direct message. You can also email me Adrian at truefitness.com. But thanks so much guys for tuning into this episode. This was a bit of a unique episode of rise and pod, because of course it was for the nerds, uh, the exercise fitness fanatics, as I would like to say, but that does make up a large part of what I do, who I am, and the whole reason that I've been able to build the freedom to hop on here and spend time on the interwebs, whether it's interviewing athletes on the More Than Fitness podcast, or it is here shooting it with you guys on the Daily Rise or Rise and Pod. So nonetheless, I hope you enjoyed it, because I certainly did, and uh, I will see you guys next time.